Welcome to the Vying for Victory podcast, where we believe God heals people in the way that brings Him the most glory and brings us closest to Him. Whether you've received healing, you're in the fight of your life, or you gave up on God a long time ago, you are welcome here. As you come to the table, listen with an open mind, knowing everyone's journey is unique, but pain is our common language. Let's vie for victory, friends. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Vying for Victory podcast. My name is Tara Badham Denai. I am your host. And today on the show, we have Jessica McGuire, who I had the pleasure of hearing on another person's podcast. And she graciously agreed to be interviewed on our podcast. I heard her story. I thought it was the perfect fit for our audience. Not only did she grow up playing soccer, then become a rower in college, then become a professional beach volleyball player afterwards, which there's just so much to learn from the ability to learn new things in that story. But on top of it all, she had her whole life unknowingly a tumor, benign tumor growing inside of her that ended up being the size of a football hidden in her chest, taking up the entire side of her chest, an entire lung worth. So she was functioning off of one lung for a lot of her life, athletic career. Then she still deals with some chronic pain because of that back stuff and then just had a foot surgery and all the things. So I'm really excited for you to get to learn from just her life experience and what she's learned as she's gone through this with the Lord. So sit tight. Here is Jessica McGuire. Just to start, you just got back from the beach from seeing a chiropractor. Why? Yeah, man, the body just takes a lot of upkeep, (laughs) especially when you put a lot of miles on it. I just got ankle surgery two months ago, and I'm trying to get back into getting in shape. I still play beach volleyball. I'm training for the pro tour. and. Uh, gosh, I've been off for probably the longest I've been off of sports, which has been like six months, which is not that long in the grand scheme of things, yeah. but I was like sitting on the couch off, couldn't do anything, <laughs> figuring out my ankle. And then I tried to actually do a lot of upper body stuff. Cause it's like, Oh, I have other yeah. ones pulled my <laughs> pec, like all these crazy things. Cause I never do that much upper body. I'm like, okay, I think God's just telling me you need to sit down and like start over, (laughs) like give your body a break. So it's been hard. Even with this whole pandemic thing, because didn't you get some kind of rest with things being canceled or how did that work? Yeah, things were canceled. So it was like perfect timing. I had been playing on a fractured ankle and I didn't know it was fractured. Um, There was a small bone that had broken off in there and was floating. So it didn't always feel painful. And I was doing a lot of physical therapy and chiropractic stuff while playing, but I was still playing on it. So when the, when the quarantine happened, I'm like, okay, I'll rest. (laughs) And so I tried to really not do much except for some physical therapy, which I was actually able to do because my roommate that had moved in right before the quarantine was a physical therapist. So she helped with a lot of the pain, but two months in and I still had pain. So every time I tried to walk or run. So I'm like, oh no. But it wasn't like constant. So I didn't know I needed surgery. So after two months of sitting and it still hurt, I said, okay, I got to get all the tests and the MRIs and stuff that 
I didn't really want to spend money on before. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I like go, I had a break during the quarantine, but I wish I got the surgery at the beginning. <laughs> so then I had to sit yeah. more towards the end. But yeah, volleyball wasn't really going on at the beach because everything was closed down. So no FOMO, no fear of missing out <laughs> yeah. had to happen. But yeah, it was still really hard. Well, talk about that for a second, because I think people, so you are a professional beach volleyball player. And I think a lot of people, maybe not in that field, are like, oh my gosh, well, you're just like living the dream and just super rich and everything else. And that's not really the case, right? Right. Yeah. No, it's kind of worse because you're trying to pursue something that doesn't make money you make money other ways through like sponsorships or side jobs I'm a tutor also um, I did start a dog walking company when I first moved down trying to be able to train Fun. and make money creatively but it was like you're really just trying to hustle and then you have to pay more to live by the beach <laughs> so like yeah it's good but like you basically don't have money and where you need to be is super expensive so yeah. I mean, God has definitely provided for me because I have not for the past at least six years, like had enough to sustain myself, but like something would always come through for me, whether it was like free training at the right time or a program I made where Carrie Walsh created something two years ago where we got free coaching and personal cool. training and all this stuff right when I wanted to quit and couldn't afford stuff moved in with roommates, like trying to do everything to try to make it work. So it looks fun and glamorous. I'm definitely glad I could be on the beach every day, but it's almost like it doesn't even feel like a beach. Like last summer, I went to all of the AVP stops, Chicago, New York. They even had a cool one in Hawaii, which they don't usually do. And I had never been which just seems so great, but you're like beating your body up, trying to go and trying to find partners and trying to train and figure out extra money on top of just living to go do that. And no wonder my body needed rest. Like I was so tired and it's been so nice not, just to not network for all that stuff. And yeah. it's, it's just like, you're setting up all your practices and it's just you like you're in charge of your athletic endeavors because it's a unique sport like that. You, do, you don't make a team, you create your team and you make all the decisions. So have you had the same partner the whole time you've been a pro? Oh, I wish Because you started with your friend, right? <laughs> yeah. I started with my friend. She actually became a nurse instead of continuing oh, wow. volleyball. So that was sad, but you know, that was her path. And I met a ton of cool people, including like some really awesome Christians. And even we called ourselves team Jesus. One partner I had this, wow. this summer. I know we both like really loved having Bible studies in the volleyball community. And we like partnered together with a uh, fellowship of Christian athletes to do some of those cool. for like a while actually. But we finally started playing together and we, literally only played together twice and we did the best we've ever done like we almost qualified for the pro tour in manhattan beach we were like two hey. points away so that was really awesome um yeah just like god has done so many cool things but i still look at my bank account and i'm like why am i doing this 
and now we're in a worldwide crisis. Like Mm -hmm. every other thing is telling me I shouldn't be pursuing this, including my ankle being injured. And I'm just like, all right, how am I going to get back? How am I going to figure it out? Like, who can I tutor next? Um, Because I just feel called to be here. But it's honestly really hard to really pursue something that's so expensive when you don't know how you're going to do it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, talk about just like someone who's facing this, even me. I mean, I just quit my day job to go full time into these ministry things we're creating. And like, how do you know when you're like, man, my ankles bummed out, like all of these things are saying I shouldn't be doing this. How do you know that God is telling you to stay there? Yeah. Well, I just look back on what he's done to get me here so far And I just see him so much in the details that, well, if I back the story up a little more, I didn't even play beach volleyball (laughs) until six years ago yeah, or something like that. I was a rower and I didn't even row in college. I was a, or like I learned to row in college. So my life completely transformed into sports I never knew existed. And the fact that I played soccer growing up, I played soccer growing up. So I wanted to go to like play for school for college with soccer, but I was like a little late to the game. I didn't, I'm the oldest. So at the Guinea pig of my family, they didn't ever go to college or anything. My parents. Mm-hmm. So we didn't really get into all of that until I like everyone was already recruited, which is like your freshman year of high school. Yeah. Now, these yes. days. So earlier and earlier. Crazy. So I kind of thought my athletic days were over. And then when I got to UCLA, they were recruiting for rowing because everyone quits and it's a D1 sport and they didn't need you to have experience. They're just like, you're fit. You run around the field all the time. You have all this (laughs) endurance. Like, let's test you out and see if you can learn this skill. So you tried out for a month, you did all these physical fitness tests and they kind of saw how you learned and then you made the team and then they taught you to row. So for four years, I trained twice a day and like it turned into something I loved and I was able to get a scholarship. So then after college, it was like, I really wanted to pursue being an athlete still. And I was trying out for the national team with rowing. And it was like, I had all these really cool experiences. However, I was having a ton of back pain because of the surgery I had had in college. So in all of that, it's like God put these people in my path somehow. I would have never said like, oh, I want to play beach volleyball or like switch sports again. But I did know God showed me what was possible through my experience in college and getting to such a high level of something that I had never done because I put so much work into it. I think we did like 25, 30 hours a week for four years. Like that's a lot. And I was just wondering how far can I go, especially now that I don't have the same physical limitations I actually had before. Uh, when I was 20, I got a large tumor taken <laughs> off of my lung. Yeah. So, oh my gosh. So just like the fact that God has laid this path out for you and you know, you're walking in communion with him. So if he decides to close that door, you'll know when it's time, right? Yeah. And it's hard to know sometimes like, okay, should I knock down the door or is this door closed? Yeah. But also it's just like, I know that there is no way looking from the outside, I could have gotten myself to where I am. He yeah. had to put these people in my path, the right people at the right time. And every time I wanted to give up, it's like, well, here's a new opportunity right here on a silver platter for you. Like 
obviously I had to work hard, but it was like exactly what I needed at the right time. So I could get into the details, but it really matters more to me when you're having that relationship with God, you, he knows exactly your heart. So when you feel like he answers something exactly that you needed to hear Mm -hmm. from a random person or from a circumstance that happens, you know, you just know (laughs) once you're walking with God for a while, you know, what's God, you know, kind of what's the devil trying to discourage you. And you just have to like sort that out through a lot of prayer. And I like to look back at my old journals and see like yeah. what I prayed for and what he had done and maybe why he wants me to be in this. And I, I looked around to some of the teammates I was impacting even now that were coming to me and wanted to hear my story and wanted to like, why are they turning to me? The one who wasn't even in the sport. Some mm-hmm. of them are asking me what's going on in the sport or who to train with or this and that. It's like, why am I the person to go to? I don't know. Like, yeah. you guys all played in college. But yeah, I've just been put in a position where it's God <laughs> giving me like everything I need because I have no background in in what he's wanting me to do. So can't be me. Yeah. No, I'm just sitting here thinking because I was having a conversation with someone today where she is just in a tremendous amount of pain and she is debating like, is this God telling me through circumstance that I should no longer be doing my sport or is this something that I should push through and persevere through? And it's hard for me because I said, you know, I don't want, I am the last person considering my story who's going to tell you like quit because my story was like, I mean, I was praying. I had felt like I had a promise from the Lord. Well, if I didn't keep swimming, they wouldn't have found my shoulder rotting. Right. And so, but that's a very unique thing and it seems nuts. Right. And then on the other side, like I think a testimony could be every bit as beautiful where it's like, yeah, actually I had this injury happen and this is how God like developed another passion in my life. Or I mean, you of all people who've done all these different things, like that it's a turning point. And so it's like, how do we know when that is for us? Because I think everyone's story is different. And I think it, it does come back to like, are you in the word? Are you praying? Right. Do you agree? And also like, how tired are you? Like, I don't Mm. think God's going to have you do something that you're completely fatigued and exhausted all the time. And he's, Mm. you're not getting any help. You're kind of like banging your head against the wall with like the same type of thing all the time. Like, I don't think, I think he gives us enough grace emotionally and physically to do what we need to do. And it doesn't mean it's not hard, but I heard, I go to Saddleback Church in California Mm -hmm. with Rick Warren. And he said something where I, he had a few sermons about how to hear God's voice and about this. Cause I love this question, yeah. but it, it was like, God, he'll use circumstances to like help validate what you're doing, but you don't want to like, he'll use them as confirmation, but you don't want to like, look at your circumstances to make a decision. If that makes sense, yeah. like your circumstances shouldn't tell you like okay if I looked at my ankle being in like I just got a bone out of there and I don't have I'm still setting up my students for the year for tutoring but right now I don't have many Mm -hmm. and I'm like in a six-month lease still where I'm at at the beach like why am I gonna pursue (laughs) playing volleyball still and you know I'm getting older I'm 29 like it could seem like oh you should quit but or, you know, maybe from the world standards, but I just know that like, that is not 
that's not why I've come this far. And I've actually overcome so much more than what's going on just right now with my ankle that it's like, yeah, I think I got that quote right, but you shouldn't use circumstances to decide what you're doing, but he will use them as confirmation. So I wouldn't try to look at the negative things, kind of the same thing as conviction, you know, Mm -hmm. and God will convict you of what's wrong, but he's not, the devil will make you feel bad and like condemn you. So, right. Like shame is I am what I did and repentance. What is it? Do you know that quote? I know. Yeah. Shame is you are what you did wrong. And I don't know. I can't yeah. Something where you're either looking at it from a negative perspective or a positive perspective and a godly one or a ungodly one. So, uh, yeah, I just know that with the type of teammates who were coming to me who maybe I had the exact similar story as them. Like, I didn't even know if I was supposed to stay at the same church right now, but I like end up my dad the other weekend literally got baptized. Like after 30 years, he never got baptized after he said he got saved. But um, I got to get baptized in the ocean with him and I walked up to the pastor And he had had the same exact surgery as I did. Like literally the same exact ankle thing where he got a little bone out, uh, shaved back a bone spur and got out, like cleaned it all up with scar tissue. And it's just those, and there were a few other moments there with people I met and contacts I made where I was like, okay, I just feel like that's a little specific, God. Like I'm really in the right place at the right time where you're connecting me with these people and I'm just serving you. Like the whole goal of life is to get more people to Christ and help them be baptized. And it's like, dang, my dad's standing next to me getting baptized. I'm clearly doing something right. Like, obviously it's not all me, but when you're seeing the fruit of what you're doing too, and some teammates who are coming to me and getting inspired that for every right should be inspiring me, you know, by their like cool athletic careers or whatever they've been going through. I just know that I'm doing the work I was called to do and it's not always going to be on a huge stage, mm-hmm. but the couple people that I reached out to, and of course my dad's is such a huge one, but I just felt like my story was directly impacting them and that's why God gave it to me and yeah. it was helping them in some way and helping me too. So anyway, it's definitely something you have to wrestle with, mm-hmm. but I do feel that you just, I, I was trying to think about what, what else do I feel like my heart is being attracted to, to do mm-hmm. in the world. And it really was not anything else except for where I was, mm-hmm. even though on the out, on the external, it just looks pretty like, what are you doing, Jess? <laughs> like, especially to my mm-hmm. dad, who is nice enough to help me out with finances when I need it. And geez, yeah, it, it doesn't look good a lot, but I don't want to live my life just not doing what God has for me just because yeah. I can't see the way yeah. um, and I can't see the future. Because honestly, if he told me what was in the future for me, it would have been scary. Like if I look back mm-hmm. and was like, oh yeah, you're, you're going to play two other different sports and you're actually not going to go to med school, even though you study biology, you're going to like kind of live off your parents, but like, <laughs> don't worry. We're going to like do some really cool things in the process. Oh, and you're going to have a lung tumor too thrown in there. It's like, thanks. I don't need to know that. Like, I don't need to know all that stuff. So it's so funny. We're always like wanting to know, like, what are we supposed to do? Where are Mm -hmm. we supposed to be? It's like, well, if God told us, it'd be kind of scary sometimes. Absolutely. 
you're speaking to me. I'm like, oh, yes, absolutely. Okay, so before we move on, you said something there that we haven't talked about on this podcast yet, which is baptism. So can you tell me, you got baptized with your dad, did you say? Yeah. Was it you were rebaptized, or what is like the importance of that? I took the opportunity to get rebaptized because me and my dad are just the closest. And he, he's always been there for us, like very steady guy, but he's not like, I wish I could see him live the fullest life that God has for him, like being happy and joyful. And he's kind of just like doing the same thing, providing and being a good dad. But I feel like he, I would love to see him thrive and especially in his faith. So he says he got saved and accepted Jesus into heart, his heart back in like when he was 30 or younger, I don't know, he's 63 now. And like a girlfriend took him to church and he says he, you know, accepted Jesus back then, but I couldn't really see it in his life, sadly, even though he had a lot of good godly characteristics, but again, like he wasn't really living, living it out. So I would just ran, like he started going and watching the Saddleback sermons with me and going Mm -hmm. to some of them before the quarantine. And he used to fall asleep in every sermon. So like (laughs) the fact he was even listening, I was like, okay, this is cool. And then he started talking about baptism more. Like I want to get baptized, but I don't want anyone to be there. Or like, (laughs) I want to get baptized, but I want to do it when I want to do it. I'm like, okay, like what's going on? So I feel like God was just moving in his heart and I always asked him when I saw a beach baptism, because I just think that's super cool. Hey, you want to go get baptized, dad? And he'll be like, no, I want to do it on my own when I want to. And I'm like, okay. So the last time he, I saw it, he actually said yes, which is kind of the craziest thing because we're going through the hardest thing as a family right now. And that's just a whole nother story. I know everyone's going through crazy quarantine things, but this mm-hmm. is like another level of finding out family secrets. So that's been fun. But in the midst of it all, he wanted to get baptized when it almost felt like everything was falling apart. Hmm. So weird time, but he finally said yes. And I was like, okay. And it actually was the childhood beach that he had gone to down at, it's called Rat Beach, Redondo and Torrance. And so we literally biked from Hermosa Beach to the baptism got to go in the ocean and it was literally only us two getting baptized. Like he actually had what he wanted. There was a good group of like people from the church supporting, but he didn't want any fanfare. He didn't want any family to be there. So I felt super honored that I could be there. And I tried to have my friend video from the parking lot secretly (laughs) And then her car broke down, like just the devil. So I'm still trying to track <laughs> down a video, but um, yeah. Then I had to explain to her why my, or to my dad, why my friend was in the parking lot with her car <laughs> broken down. But so, and like, I know now I feel like when he's talking to me, he's just wrestling with things more. So baptism, you want to have the public declaration of your inside decision mm-hmm. of your faith. And it's just the next step of obedience. So yeah it's hard to accept Jesus if you don't want to do anything that he says to do. And I think even though my family is still in the midst of going through really hard stuff with my dad and everyone, like he, I feel like he's more like convicted a little bit of certain Mm -hmm. things he wasn't before or talking about some things he didn't. So I just feel like he's finally like 
invited God into really like his life by taking some actions yeah. towards growing his faith. And he still falls asleep in the sermons, but we're working, <laughs> we're working on it. Hey, we're all a work in progress, right? <laughs> yeah. That's awesome though. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Yeah. So in all of this, your faith was developed by, I, I know a lot of things, but did you grow up a Christian? Did that become really real to you when you had these crazy health things? When did that start for you? Yeah, well, I was lucky. I like literally got to accept Jesus at nap time in kindergarten, like ridiculous <laughs> story, but I did. And I remember it, Aww. but um like my teacher was just like reading the Bible, like some Bible children's story and I didn't want to be asleep. So I went over and listened. And it's funny because like, I kept thinking about that time whenever we'd go to chapel, I went to a Christian school K through eighth grade. And I would just think about that time. So like, I think that's why I remembered it. Cause whenever they brought it up, I was like, Oh yeah, I did that already. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, cause that was literally, I was so young, but we would go to Bible class and have chapels. So everything was pretty built in. So it wasn't until college that I really like understood my faith personally more because I went to a Catholic high school, all girls, not to knock Catholicism, but it wasn't very personal. It didn't help me personally understand my faith and like how to walk with God and read my Bible and pray and like have a friendship with God. So when I went to college, I was like, all right, why do I believe all these crazy things? Mm -hmm. And it was actually the first public college or public school I went to. I went to UCLA and you'd think I'd go (laughs) off the wall there, but I got like the closest to God ever by really asking the hard questions. And again, God sent these people into my life, like this really amazing Christian friend I met on the rowing team, another one who just asked a random girl who asked me to study the Bible with her every week at the library, (laughs) like just asked me like this random girl, like, okay, sounds good. It was like a ministry in her church for college students. So I got to really process things myself. And every time I did, I like just realized the truth of the gospel more and more. And it was like, yeah, right. Perfect timing because I needed my faith when I went through the tumor that I found yeah. out was there. Okay, it's just let's go there. What yeah. happened with that? I'm sure it'll be in the title in the podcast. So it's probably why people clicked on it. But we just wanted to give them like 30 minutes of like other things before we <laughs> got to keep them intrigued. Yeah. But yeah, so I had performed well for my whole life, like as an athlete, but I didn't know that this benign tumor was growing since birth, which weirdly enough could have been a twin at birth that never survived, or it could have been a piece of my self that broke off and started germinating weirdly and made all the different cells of like a ball of human body cells, but not actually a human. So I didn't like have a human living inside me, but like weird, it is related to like something going wrong at birth it's called differentiating into their little pieces of what you're supposed to be anyway it attached to my lung on the outside of my left lung and usually they're smaller and you find out like pretty fast because you'll see like a lump or something Mm -hmm. they have it in my big fat greek wedding when they're like there's a lump on the (laughs) neck or like something like that they're referring to that it's okay you can use windex (laughs) exactly so it just took a very unique 
spot where it could grow really big. They say the size of a football that I have seen a football that seems pretty darn big, but it did look really big. They only got a picture of it. Like the surgeon took a picture with his flip phone. So that's all I got. But uh, that's kind of disappointing. Yeah, I know. Sad. I was like, can't I take it home? They're like, no, that's a violation of medical stuff. Like, okay. It's probably weird Hmm. anyway. But, um, (laughs) so I, it was a, it was just a huge mass and it made it so I wasn't breathing with my left lung for who knows how long because it grows slowly. And so my right lung is actually a lot bigger to Hmm. compensate for that. But this surgeon just got it off of the lining of my left lung and made it so he saved my lung and save my ribs and lats and everything they were going to break and cut through and they were going to cut off my lung possibly at this other doctor's office. So that was not going to be good. But it, it became an emergency situation where I couldn't breathe. I'm actually in the room right now that um, it happened in. Oh, wow. I went to my, yeah, I went to my parents' house for, to see my sister off to prom one day. And uh, I collapsed and I couldn't get up. And whenever I tried to get up, I couldn't breathe. So like this fluid had filled my chest and it was like collapsing my right lung and I stopped being able to like talk. I didn't want to move. It was really strange. So my mom like rushes me to the doctor. She was here and I was so fatigued. I just thought like, oh, if I just fall asleep, I will be okay. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. it was not every time it would just be intense pain I was like reading the Bible hunched over like on a wheelchair trying to get this chest x-ray and thinking like, I think this is what dying feels like. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, I'm like, guess I'm going to be reading the Bible here. But I woke up and they had given me a bunch of medicine. So I actually could breathe. It would just, without the medicine, it would have caused severe pain. And they found out I had a lung tumor. And it took like a good two weeks in the hospital to kind of figure out a plan, actually transfer hospitals so I didn't get my lung taken away. And that's another Mm -hmm. detail where God was there. Like the girl that I met on the rowing team, her dad was a lung surgeon or knew one closely at uh, Beverly Hills Cedar sinai Hospital where they're like the best in the world. We actually had someone else on the podcast who had a grapefruit-sized brain tumor taken out of her middle of her brain at that same place. Wow. Okay. Yeah. They're just legit there. It's crazy. They're so good. And, uh, that's where I had my ankle surgery too. I'm like, I'm going to go back there for everything. Yeah. But (laughs) they're just like cutting edge. And so I had such a different outcome and I like, I'm just so grateful that I could be an athlete again. Unfortunately, the doctor was like, Hey, cool. I just want to see a gold medal in the Olympics. I'm like, yeah, okay. And then I went back to training and I just, it was summer. So I got back on my own and I just took a rowing machine home and started training on the rowing machine, but I didn't really know about physical therapy and everything I probably needed. And for some reason, I just fell through the cracks, even at like a huge program like UCLA, where they thought like, since the tumor was gone, that I was fine. Yeah. And then since then I've, I had to deal with chronic pain since I was 22, like literally at NCAAs, my very last race, I was in like horrific pain, but that's when the pain started my very last race. So I was like, 
okay, I just got to get through this one. <laughs> and you got one, didn't you? We did get to the first spot in the nation in my boat my That's junior awesome. year, not my okay. senior year. Okay. But yeah, it was like so cool to be like, it was actually, it's still the best UCLA has done in rowing since ever. since we graduated so it was really awesome to be a part of that but yeah that was like that I I needed my faith because actually for three days I didn't know if I was gonna die or they didn't take a biopsy either at first so I was just like do I have cancer like oh it's fine we just pulled a football size tumor out of you but yeah in in Beverly Hills they did but back in Chino where I was like where I'm from in Pomona Mm -hmm. Valley Sorry to throw them under the table, but they just didn't want to take a biopsy because they're like, oh, we're going to have to get it out anyway. But Mm -hmm. it wasn't good for my mental state. But I just had so much peace. That's kind of another thing of how do you know if God wants you to do something? You really do have a peace Mm -hmm. that he gives you that doesn't make sense, that you should be stressed out in any other regard. But I prayed as a 20-year-old, and I always say this, but I prayed like, God, please make me an inspiration whether I live or die. And I'm like, whoa, that's pretty intense. But I felt like I really meant it. I was like, if people could go to heaven by, you know, me dying and like looking at my life, if that's how I'm supposed to go, like, okay. Mm -hmm. But I'm so glad that I didn't. And so when I had the outcome I did, I'm like, okay, I really, really do want to be an inspiration to people. I had no idea I'd like end up playing volley beach volleyball. Like that's mm-hmm. crazy. But I just kept taking one step at a time towards what I felt like God was doing in my life. And knowing that I now had two lungs, I was literally <laughs> just so I guess inspired by myself too. Like what can I do? My body just led me yeah. to a D1 sport. Like you, it seems like you get to such a high level and you're actually like dying on the inside and you don't know um but your body can do amazing things so I'm like with Mm -hmm. faith and the right hard work and people that God puts in your life like what am I capable of as an athlete yeah and that's how I would make all my choices because I felt like the story I had and the way like he wanted me to impact the world with this story it was just so much more revealed if I was in the athletic field not Mm -hmm. what I was doing which I was trying to be a doctor. That's what I went to school for. But sports just totally took over my life. And I I did not expect that, plan that, really want that until I had the opportunity to be on the rowing team. And then obviously I needed to do that because I don't think I would have found the tumor if, if I didn't row. Which is nuts. Okay. So many questions. I could go a million different ways. But one is I actually was an Orange Theory coach. Do you know what that is? Oh, nice. I love that. Yeah. Okay. So you have rowing, right? Which from someone who did not have a rowing background and a lot of people get horrible back injuries. So what is it in a rowing form that you can do to prevent that? And then did you get your back injury because you just had all this compensation now because of the tumor? Yeah, mine was more the compensation, but because the volume was so high it was just Mm -hmm. like and I ended up with really terrible lower back like mid back pain on one side but I think that was more because of the tumor also how far did y'all row each day I'm curious as like top level rowing how far do you row in a practice or if you did doubles in a day gosh I like 
Well, we would be going for an hour and a half on the water if that okay. makes any like idea. Mm-hmm. Not very many stops, but I would say like over ten thousand meters on the rowing machine, and then also on the water. Yeah, every day. Yeah. <laughs> Six days. I don't know. That's nuts. It was a lot, and I mean that is what the sport is. So you spend mm-hmm. all your time literally doing that but um it was such a high volume like that is not sustainable it was really crazy (laughs) I think even like Olympians don't train like that because they like understand they need to like rest but college coaches for some reason don't get that idea (laughs) yeah so yeah uh sorry what was your question again I I think let's just go compensations for compensations yeah okay so the back thing though you're so people think rowing's like arms and back or whatever but it's really 60 percent legs then 20 percent core 20 percent arms i have to say that like every day it's part of our script <laughs> there you go so most people though don't stay in the forward position when they're pushing off they start with their back so that's how they get the back injuries you really have to it's like you have to get your legs going and right when your legs are almost done, you overlap with your core going back and then you mm-hmm. overlap with your arms. Okay. And people don't, you protect your back by strengthening your core and your legs, glutes included, because you need that stability. You want your power to be coming from your core. It's yeah. like, sounds obvious. Like everyone says that, but <laughs> really true. You're not pulling, you're like pushing if you think of it. Yeah. So you're also rowing, like at the high level, you're rowing on one side. Mm. So that's kind of just bad. Yeah. But like any like one-sided sport kind of you, it, it felt like I would be riding with my left hand if I tried to go on the starboard side. I was a port side mm-hmm. rower and yeah, like it's like relearning if you're trying the other side. So you have one side. At the Olympic level, a lot of times they do sculling, which is two oars, so you would be more normal. But even then, like if you're in a bigger boat, like an eight or a four, it's called sweep rowing, and it's a it's just one oar. So I was turning only to one way. I don't even know how many strokes. That's kind so. of like Vikings. Like what? Like Vikings. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was slavery. I don't know why I did it, but <laughs> for the opportunity. And no, it was really cool. It really taught me so much about how you can really push your body so much more than you think. Mm-hmm. And now I probably do it still too much. I've learned some balance because I know yeah. like it's not sustainable <laughs> to just constantly put your body yeah. in hard scenarios all the time. But it is also really cool how much it, it could do for you. So yeah. So what is God teaching you about rest and how do you find that tension between I want to push past this like I'm trying to learn right now still how to partner with my body because my whole life has been how do I overcome my body Mm -hmm. it's like yeah like ignore it yeah right to reach a high level of sport so how do you balance that because God calls us to rest right I didn't even do sabbath until probably a year, a little over a year ago, that's been changing my life. But I just never even considered that as an athlete. And it's like, how do you balance these commands, really, that God calls you to rest with what is really your job? Yeah, I had to learn that, I think, the hard way, just by being like, I will 
realized I really was not resting as much as I needed to when I get hurt. <laughs> so sadly, I like that's probably why my ankle happened, like overuse type of thing. Mm-hmm. A lot of pressure on it. But yeah, we are taught that so much. So it is so hard. You're literally taught by all your coaches to just ignore what's going on. So I think as an adult, like you are in control. <laughs> like it's not these coaches mm-hmm. who have an influence. Yeah. And so and I had to learn through sermons and community and everything that like God wants us to rest and that it's a holy thing. It's it's not a bad thing. And I think in American culture too, it's seen as a bad thing. Like yeah. we we think it's crazy these mm-hmm. days if Chick-fil-A is off on Sunday. Like what the yeah. heck? But um, yeah, like I thought it was like I felt guilty resting. Like I had to be progressing more. But through the injuries and fighting through that, I learned like, and just through science, which I should have known, you your body needs to recover. And it like, I also pushed it too hard with like restrictive diets, not like eating disorder type of things, but I was not, I was just caring so like too intensely about yeah. very res- restrictive dieting that I, I wasn't even giving my body like the recovery it needed. So I started going to a sports dietitian and that the first thing he told me before he would talk about diet was you need to be sleeping 10 hours or more a day like you particularly, Mm -hmm. especially as an athlete, because you're like, you're just not recovering. Mm -hmm. And so I had to like be forced (laughs) to sleep and like realize that, but it took a lot because I remember I'd like wake up past my alarm or something and just put on a guilt trip that I wasn't doing enough. Mm -hmm. But I also tried to learn like, it was not a good mindset. There there was a way that Kay Warren actually put it. You can have like a surplus mindset where you have enough and God mm-hmm. has given you an exact amount of time and energy and everything. You, he's given you everything you need to get what you need to get done in a single day. You don't need mm-hmm. more days. You don't need more hours. You need to like not put so much on your plate. So mm-hmm. a surplus mindset versus like you don't have enough Scarcity. mindset. Scarcity. Thank you. I knew there was another S yeah. there. But that really helps too. So I could like be aware, like a light goes on. Cause I still struggle mm-hmm. with it, especially trying to, I, I completed a biology degree with rowing. So I just had to completely ignore my body and not sleep. Yeah. And just literally if I even let myself feel tired or <laughs> think I was tired, I just had to tell myself I wasn't or else I wouldn't <laughs> have accomplished those mm-hmm. things, but not good and not sustainable and like if you learn about it from a biblical perspective you know god rested on the seventh day to show us a model it's like one of the 10 commandments it's that important Mm -hmm. and now that i have rested i'm like whoa i can actually accomplish so much more by not really ultimately living in fear that i won't get everything accomplished that i want to more to like being able to enjoy life, give my body a chance and literally take things more one day at a time. So that's been probably a four year process for me to not overdo it. And I always am pushing, like literally the chiropractor as I was leaving was like, don't overdo it. I'm like, okay. (laughs) Cause I'm just like so excited to my ankles finally feeling a little better Mm -hmm. and my 
I got a new physical therapist because I felt like they were like not letting it get better fast enough. And so this other guy started challenging me a lot more. Well, I couldn't walk this week because I was able to do so many <laughs> squatting things and balancing things that he had me do. I'm like, okay, well, maybe I don't need to take it that far. But I still, when he was like, all right, like, don't go too hard. I was like mad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, well, I just want to, I don't know. I want to push myself, but there has to be like some limits. You can't just like run on fumes. Yeah. Yeah. Michael Todd talks about like finding the pace of grace in your life. And so I have that written on my yeah whiteboard right now. Like that's what I'm trying to find, but I'm a, I'm just so terrible to myself work in progress, but I'm just like, you know, I'm getting up at, I just quit my job this week was my last time coaching. And I was like, okay, I'm going to get up at five 30 now instead of four, but I've gotten up at four my whole life because I was a swimmer and then I was a teacher and then I was coaching. And so like, I feel so lazy getting up at five 30 and I'm just like, but you did this in college when you were working out five hours a day and still had a full class load. It was still doing community service and all this stuff. And like having grace for myself, I think is like no one else is expecting me to do that, but it's so hard. It's crucifying your flesh, right? To be like, yeah, that was that season, but that doesn't mean that's what I'm going to be like in this season. And people are like, well, what would you tell college athletes right now? I'm like, gosh, that's so hard because I learned this lesson after I was an athlete. Well, I think that's when, I mean, you're kind of under the advice of your coaches like they really influence you and what you're doing but now yeah I felt so lazy I would wake up at four to or I think one time I even coached at 4 30 so Mm -hmm. I was waking up in the threes it was nuts but I would when I started playing volleyball people will not practice before 8 a.m like they won't even (laughs) the stands cold or I don't know they're just like it's different and then like volleyball players play indoor late and like late at night in the gyms and there's a lot of like of us who are coaches too and indoor so I was like trying to get everyone up and going and like let's go you know 6 a.m or whatever and you know I was seen as the crazy one but I really couldn't get it into my head that like you can also like sleep at different hours and wake up at different hours and not be lazy. Like Mm -hmm. you could sleep from 12 to eight or, you know, it's just like based on your different lifestyle to be able to adjust. And when I finally gave myself permission to sleep and realize like I'm doing a good thing for myself, I'm going to be getting more done today if I actually rest and I'm actually feeding my brain, like I'm protecting my brain by sleeping, then I will be that person who like, I can now actually wake up at like 10 AM sometimes and be like, okay, like, this is fine. (laughs) I like, I went to bed late, but I'm going to like, I just have a different life right now. And we would practice later and I would even tutor in the afternoon. Like my whole life was just kind of shifted and that's like a late time, but it was, it's just a different season. And I finally like, yeah, am able to sleep and not feel bad, which sounds so crazy. Like we're some kind yeah. of lunatics, but 
<laughs> no, you're actually like giving me hope right now. And I'm still like, I don't know if I could switch like a whole season, but maybe God will call me to that at some point. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it happened slowly. I went from like trying to get people to practice at six to trying to do seven and mm -hmm. eight. And now like sometimes I don't start practice till nine. That hurt, like hurts a part of my soul. Right. I used to be done doing more than people would do in an entire day by 9am. Yep. And now I'm like, all right, let's wake up at nine. <laughs> And it's just crazy. But yeah, it's like, why are we trying to strive for this really strict schedule that no one's putting on us? It's honestly really unattainable anywhere else, but like the bubble of college. I don't know. It's the real world where we have 700,000 other things to think about and take care of for ourselves. So yeah, like yeah. before, what did we do? We had our food made for us. We had like yeah. at UCLA, they did mm -hmm. our laundry too. Like, obnoxious. oh, wow. I know <laughs> we were supposed to only do our like workout clothes and put them on a yeah, laundry yeah. loop, but I would sneak in my other clothes. <laughs> I got yelled at, but yeah, anyway, it's all revolved around us performing. Mm -hmm. And now it's like, we have to do a lot of it. I said that in the beginning, yeah. like I'm now, I mean, I'm in a weirdly different scenario where most people aren't still a pro athlete after, and especially in a whole different thing. But if I don't set good boundaries for myself, that's when I get run down or whatever. And I can't like it, it really, why, why not give ourselves grace and feel actually good about what we're doing than always trying to make ourselves feel bad. Like it yeah. just doesn't help, but it yeah. is like a habit to get rid of and Mm -hmm. work on and God helps us. So <laughs> renewing your thoughts. Right. And that's like science, right? It's amazing how like science people are trying to prove the Bible wrong with science, but I feel like science ends up proving the Bible right so often of like, yeah, you can make new neural pathways in your brain. I'm like, wait, the Bible like says that transform your mind, right. And be renewed by the transforming of your mind. So, yes, exactly. Yeah. I love when that happens. It's like, I nerd out on it. The sciencey parts. <laughs> What's one of your favorite things about science that I guess, confirms or affirms something you believe about God? Well, this is just the first one that went to my head. But, you know, if the sun was and the earth were just like less than point of a degree off of where they are, everyone would burn up. <laughs> like mm -hmm. in physics, just where the sun and all the planets are facing apologetics I don't think I'd be able to actually like quote them all but when mm -hmm. I look into the sermons on it I just get fired up and I love it but from a biology standpoint too you know studying all the tiny little things every single cell has and then everything within the parts of the cell and gosh it's so intricate and so just amazing how many things go on to make us be mm -hmm. a human being it's like that just can't be like an accident yes. <laughs> i'm Have sorry you seen like louis giglio's sermon about laminin no okay i'm not gonna ruin it go look up i don't know what it's called laminin look up it's got it's got to be somewhere i don't know if you can find it i'm sure yeah it's a, it's amazing everyone else listening should look it up too yeah I, it's fun when you do that. And also from a, like every different uh, discipline also proves the Bible, which is cool. Like historically, mm. if you've ever seen the case for Christ, he was a Chicago journalist. Is there a movie? Who, 
Yeah, it's a movie too and a book. Oh, I didn't know that. I just knew the book. Oh yeah, I think it's on Netflix, but maybe it's on Amazon Prime now. But yeah, okay. it's super good. And it was just, he went out to prove that Jesus was wrong. Like Jesus never existed or something and that he wasn't God. And he ended up becoming a pastor by the end of it. And there are more uh, archeological finds and books to back up the Bible sources more than like hundreds more than we have of any other historical document that we accept as truth. Mm -hmm. So just I just feel like I love when we look at physics and biology and history and other sciences it just transcends all of them and yeah. prove helps prove all of them yeah I, I wrote a blog once called I think something like the arctic camel perspective but I don't know if you've heard this but there's this theory that camels are actually not made for the desert they're made for the arctic and that's why they have their big feet for snow their eyelashes for snow their humps like enabled them to withstand these crazy arctic temperatures and all of these things and they found a camel bone like up in the arctic area and so and it's just like then you think about that and you're like what and your whole perspective your whole paradigm is completely shattered because you think it's this desert animal and I feel like it's the same thing in the bible where it's like someone will be like well I don't think this fact is right and then like a hundred years later it's like actually we found this little camel bone right here and it is right and like what you didn't think was it is and like can you just trust the word of God with the things that you don't understand when you have like 90 percent of these things that are accurate. It's something like Jesus fulfilling all the prophecies in the Bible is something like if you had pennies or quarters, like a foot deep over the state of Texas, like one of those is like the chance of him fulfilling all of those prophecies. And it's like, okay, just look at that. Like the stuff that we don't understand, like we've got to trust the rest of it, right? Yeah. I don't know if my facts are totally right on that, but there's some analogy like that. I know what you're talking about. And yeah, even if you look like Old Testament versus New Testament, like every single prophecy, like hundreds of them were fulfilled, not just in the Bible, but in like other sources around mm -hmm. the world that, of books and historical evidence they found. So yeah, craziness. Uh, yeah, I feel like you can't look for long <laughs> at the Christian faith without finding truth. Um, mm, so if people would actually look, they would be surprised. Yeah, so good. Okay, I get like super fired up about that. But one question I, I've wanted to ask you is that a lot of times people in pain, and this is something like your body just grew wrong from birth, like your twin or part of you or whatever created this football sized tumor. Then now you have all these compensation injuries that you still have. When the Bible talks about like, I knit you in your mother's womb and you're beautifully and wonderfully made. What do you think of that verse or how do you believe that you are beautifully and wonderfully made even when things went wrong biologically? Well, I'm a perfectionist. So it really like is hard to have this perspective, but I was reading something, I can't remember what, but that the little, like our little quirks and the little things that are, you know, our crooked teeth or the different things are the things that make us different from each other. Mm -hmm. And make us uniquely us. And I don't want to admit that at all. I want to have the perfect teeth and the perfect everything. And who knows what that even means? Probably what society is putting on us, what is perfect, but like God did really want us exactly how we were. So that has to include the tumor and everything. 
because he has a huge plan for my life. And even if it's, it, even if it has a lot of pain, includes a lot of pain on this earth, we're not here for very long. And I Mm -hmm. believe like, I don't think I would have pursued athletics still and had this life altering change if, if I didn't go through that tumor scenario. And luckily, you know, that was removed and my lungs. Okay. But again, like I'm still trying to find out how to pay for constant physical therapy and Mm -hmm. chiropractic care. And gosh, I swear one thing, uh, (laughs) if it's not one thing, it's another. And a lot of the medical practitioners don't understand because it was such a weird situation. So they don't, they can't, they have, I have to get really good ones who really want to think, think on their feet and try to like be innovative. I had one physical therapist create like a mock rowing machine Mm -hmm. with this, uh, this, yeah, this workout machine and to help me. And I don't know. I just, I have to keep her thinking strategically about my health and it gets really exhausting and it's definitely hard but whenever I'm talking about it it's like an opportunity to tell my story Mm -hmm. and a teammate I just met up with her for coffee and I made my Instagram relentless Jess to like I want to be able to spread this story more but I don't do a very good job on my social media I need to do better yeah I feel you. Gosh. But she's so funny. She's always like, relentless Jess, la la la. But, and calling me (laughs) relentless Jess, but she never really knew what I was talking about, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I got to share my story and I had no idea that she has been struggling with a knee issue for forever and was Mm -hmm. needing help. And I was literally able to direct her to very specific doctors and um, insurance programs, affordable ones, like knowing Mm -hmm. how much if you make a certain amount, what one to get, what one yeah, to not yeah. get. And I was able to use all the hard things to help someone else. And then it was like, okay, I really feel like it's worth it. And we can endure tremendous pain if we can use it to help other people. That's another Rick Warrenism. He has so many good ones, mm-hmm. but the human body can, like the human spirit can endure so much if it's going to help someone else and if it has a purpose so what do you believe your purpose that you has been revealed so far i think there are like lots of purposes that won't be revealed until heaven probably but what are some of the purposes you've seen god use your pain for like you just shared some yeah well i love to help people overcome physical ailments which you do too with the podcast but Instead of just saying, oh, no, you know, I have, I was 23, I think, and dealing with debilitating back pain where I couldn't walk for like Mm -hmm. a year. It was insane. And dang, I should have been, I felt like I was a hundred years old. I should have been skipping and everything, but no, I'm 23. And I was just like, it was a hard time. And yeah, I just, I felt like when people hear my story, it's like very hard. Like very few people can like have an excuse still because mm-hmm. <laughs> if I'm still going and yeah. like I've literally not had the money, not had the physical, not had the connections, not had anything that I needed. And I'm still in this space mm-hmm. where I feel God has called me. It inspires people. And yeah. 
like if I went into the medical field, like I wanted to cool, I could, you know, use my brain. And I felt like I would have been a, a cool doctor. Like I wanted to be that, but I just felt like, yeah, I could do that. But that doesn't like really reflect my exact talents and experience in life that could really help other people specifically. Like what, Mm -hmm. who am I as Jessica McGuire, the only Jessica McGuire there ever is, how can Mm. I uniquely affect the world? And I feel like I love learning new things and challenging Mm -hmm. ideas. So, and challenging myself. So to switch sports twice is just enough to try to help people understand that they can do new things and Mm -hmm. achieve it to a high level, not just on their own, but with God's help and everything, every tool he gives you along the way. If you really want to pursue your purpose, like God is going to help you do some amazing things Mm -hmm. if you're wanting to do it with him and things that I love Ephesians, I believe it's 310, but how you can he will help you do more than you could ever ask or imagine. And I could never, ever, like, I do remember praying one time in college, like, I wish I could go to the beach every day. Like that would just be so awesome. And like literally for the past, like seven years, I've been going to the beach every day, Um, which is insane. God has a sense of humor. Yeah, he does. And like, I didn't even know about volleyball at that time, beach volleyball, Mm -hmm. but yeah, it's just, I love learning and, what if I do write a book, I want it to be about like how I learned how to learn well and like what it took to mm-hmm. uh, learn new things later. As an adult, it's even harder because you have a lot of naysayers <laughs> yeah. when you're trying to learn, oh, gosh, a new sport. It's fine when you're like a teenager, but as soon as you're on your own, it's like not cool anymore. Mm-hmm. What the heck to try yep. a new sport or to challenge yourself and it's so messed up, but right. Well, like enter the kingdom of God, like a child, right? Yeah. And then it's like, that's what the Bible is telling us to do. Right. Like have that faith and be able to learn. And yeah. And people like must think it's irresponsible to not do like things the way everyone else does them or something, Mm -hmm. but they're not you and you have a specific thing to give to the world. So I felt like I love being encouraging I literally love physical training. So like to actually, and then to be able to test my brain like that too, I just love it. And there's like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't know, I could literally train for the rest of my life and be so happy. Like, I think I trained for eight hours the other day, just doing personal training and physical therapy, like not Mm -hmm. the whole time I was working, but that's how long it took me in the day. And I just loved it. So there, there's something in me where I love doing that type of work and I love talking to all the people. And I was telling the physical therapist, my story, he's like, how did you become a volleyball player? Like what happened? And, you know, I just feel like that is the group that I could affect the most versus I wouldn't have the chance to tell my story if I'm trying to sit and like help people with, if I say I was a doctor trying to write prescriptions and be super busy, I feel like I'm a personable person. And like, Mm -hmm. it's so cool that I actually have the time to share my story now in this Mm -hmm. avenue. And I have been able to like, at least use my degree more lately by um, tutoring, tutoring AP bio and some different things. That has been an awesome way I can yeah, try to use my degree that I worked so hard on. 
but that even fits in and it's going to look differently in my life. I'm not always going to play beach volleyball. I'm not always going to be an athlete, but I do always want to help people realize what they're capable of. And it's always more than you think because Mm -hmm. dang, I didn't, I only had one lung. I had no idea what I was doing and whether it's physically or emotionally or anything, I love helping people overcome what they think is like blocking them. So yeah. yeah. I don't know. This fits right now. Yeah. Well, if you write the book, you should come talk to us again. We'd love to hear yeah, more. But is there anything today that God's putting on your heart or something brought up that we haven't really gotten to that you feel like you want to share today? I just feel like we're all in such a hard time. And I, I think going back to what we were talking about at the beginning of trying not to look at our circumstances to make decisions, really trying to look at God and what he wants us to do. And no matter what crazy things are going on with politics and like, geez, COVID and everything to not let that distract us from our purpose. And it's going to be really hard. Like, again, we, you know, I, my family's been going through something else crazy that has just thrown us for a loop, but the devil wants us to not, (laughs) to not glorify God. Mm -hmm. And this is actually a huge opportunity where most of the world is kind of falling prey to chaos and we can be a light and Mm -hmm. we can, like, I love doing what I'm doing out of an attitude of gratitude, which sounds really lame, but I am so grateful that I, for what I can do, like I actually am young still and I actually Mm -hmm. can play volleyball once, you know, once my foot's better, but you know, there's so many people in the world that are like, they have, well, physical ailments where they can't personally play professional sports or have the opportunities or have the money or they're in a very oppressive country if, for women or I don't know. There's so many crazy ways. I can't even believe I have the opportunity to do what I am doing. And so when it gets hard to just look at it through, you know, I'm grateful for what opportunities I've been given and what talents I've been given. And as hard as it is right now, I don't want to, I don't want to like squander that. I really want to make God proud. (laughs) So when I get to heaven, I wasn't like, Oh yeah. Like I followed your path when it was like fun. And I was Mm -hmm. going to Hawaii. Not when, (laughs) not when I was, uh, you know, in bed for four months and it doesn't matter what we're going through. And even when I was 20, I understood that, which like I learn from my younger self. Sometimes I find my Mm -hmm. journals and stuff like our younger self has so much faith, but I did say like, you know, I want to be an inspiration, whether I lived or died. Like I did say that or died. And I, I truly believe that if we have cancer, if we have any type of chronic illness, like we really can inspire people. We can choose to look at it from a good perspective and help other people, or we can complain. But I believe God has us every in everything for a reason. So sometimes it hurts and it really sucks and life is confusing, but I don't want to fall prey to like just the things of this world because we're not here for very long. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Okay, Jess, we got to wrap it up, but thank you so, so much. This has been incredible. Oh, I'm so glad to meet you. I'm glad you found the, the other podcast and 
Yeah, this was awesome. I want to hear your story, so I'm excited to read your book. Oh, I hope Jessica writes a book, but for now, we're just grateful that she shared her testimony with us on this podcast. So I put her information in the show notes. Please go give her a follow on Instagram. And if you are enjoying our episodes, please leave us a review. Give us a rating that really helps other people find it. And this Saturday, you guys, is the Heal Retreat. It's our third one. Come be encouraged. It's virtual. We have breakouts where you can build community, awesome speakers, giveaways, and some other fun surprises. So head to thehealretreat.com, register. We hope to see you there this weekend. We will see you here on the podcast this Thursday for a bonus episode from one of our previous Heal speakers. And that is it for us today. Have a great day, friends.